Whoa. Whoa. Check that out. All this technology. Yes. Yes, yes. Guess I don't need the video. No, no, we usually don't use the video. Because, you know, Matt doesn't wear pants. Yeah, hey, that's fine. I mean, yeah. that, that makes all of us. It's like comfortable, you know. Nobody wears pants. No. It's April 26th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 6 of Roll Up and Die. Look, you stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, it's just a flesh wound. Honestly, I, I know I brought it up a billion times. I've spent probably an average of half of every single day since it came out, uh, either talking about it or watching it. But man, that freaking episode seven trailer. I know. Uh. <laughs> so good. Al- Alex, you and I haven't talked about it yet, so I want to get your thoughts That's on the true. trailer as well. And then Justin, I don't know, are you a Star Wars fan, Justin? One moment. He's, he's consulting. He's, check, he's, gonna check check he's consulting I'm, with the wife. I'm on the phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually talking to the wife. Hold on one second. Honey, do I like Star Wars? <laughs> no, you don't. Okay, all right. Not the prequels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not in front of Matt. <laughs> this I, happened last time. Yeah. I just honestly, I wish. Like sometimes, I wish that Disney <laughs> would add the prequels to the list of non-canon items. Here we go. Does that make sense? I'm back. Yeah, because, I, uh, I do love myself some Star Wars. Awesome. But awesome. I'm not a hardcore canon freak. That's yeah, cool. I've never been a hardcore canon freak either. And I know everyone is kind of uh, freaking out over the fact that they are um, like non-canonizing all of the expanded universe. But all of the expanded universe stuff had questionable canon status anyway. And they even had like tiers of canon, like, oh, well, there's the movies are are a canon and the the novelizations are B canon and the comics are C canon. And it was just like it was already such a mess that basically saying like the only thing that matters with the movies is the movies and that's it, mm-hmm. I think is a is a good thing. And the uh, you know, there's there's a couple books in the expanded universe, the old expanded universe that that I thought could have been turned into movies. But yes. one of two things would happen. OK. Like the Thrawn trilogy, for mm-hmm. example. If that were turned into a movie, one of two things would happen. Either one, they would adapt it to be, uh, like adapt it directly from the book. Perfectly adapted into a film format of that same book. Of that same book and it would suck as a movie. Right. Um, and everybody who did not read the book would be pissed. Or they could actually take the idea and concept of that book those books and turn it into a really good movie giving some creative liberty to the director and the producer and you know the screenwriters etc and all the canon freaks would be pissed off anyway that's exactly what it is when um if you deviate from the plot people are going to be pissed off but that's all they're going to be pissed off well they might be pissed off at other stuff if you stick with the plot First off, uh, you're going to have so many more people picking, nitpicking little bits mm-hmm. all over the movie. It's like, yeah. well, the book did this, but your movie did that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so that's, that's not how I saw it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I've actually heard, uh, Barker, that they're, they may be taking certain characters from the expanded universe and basically re-canonizing them, yes. like including them in movies and new books and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Um, and what do you want to hear a theory I have? Yeah, yeah, I do. So this first Star Wars anthology movie, it's called Rogue One. And the rumor is that it's going to deal with the rebels stealing the plans for the first Death Star. Like it's going to be a pre-New Hope movie. I have a theory that that either Kyle Katarn or Mara Jade may be involved in that movie in some in some fashion, because Kyle Katarn in the old canon was the guy who stole the Death Star plans. And Mara Jade yeah. at that time was serving as the Emperor's hand. Is my cat. Is, is also your cat, Barker. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. And I, I expect them to do that anyway, because if they don't do that, they're effectively kind of ostracizing an entire group of people that are fans and honestly, in Disney's eyes, potential dollars. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see them not following the storylines because no, no, you know, they're not going to get any directors who just want to, you know, make something verbatim from a book or a, or yeah. a comic or whatever. But taking the names costs them nothing and and it's gonna you know have the potential of at least bring keeping some of the fans happy yeah exactly yeah 
I like how Walking Dead does it. It has a lot. It's similar. And, you know, the places mm-hmm. are the same. And it it teases that to- comic book left and right. There's the imagery that yeah. they reproduce. Uh, it just aligns with the comic book. But the story is different enough that you're going to experience something completely different. It's a whole it's a whole new experience. Exactly. That yes. doesn't that doesn't contradict the comics. It sort of lives alongside Yes, the like an alternative universe. Exactly. I'm starting to feel <laughs> the same way about Game of Thrones, yeah. honestly, because it, it is starting to deviate in very real ways from the books, whereas like the first two seasons, it was like point for point, pretty dead on to the books. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I kind of like it that it's pulling away from the books. It's becoming its own entity that is good for its own reasons. And things that tra- that worked well in the books that wouldn't translate to TV they're kind of reworking them a little bit so that they work better for TV, which is nice. Secret admission. I just barely got into Game of Thrones. It finally got free on HBO on demand. And my wife and I are actually on season one, episode seven. Oh, nice. dude! She's like, let's watch the next. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, that old joke where someone says, oh, yeah, I just started watching this. Don't spoil it. And we make the joke. Oh, everyone <laughs> dies. Ha ha ha. Oh, shit. <laughs> With yeah. Game of Thrones, that, that's kind of true. true. Yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah, that's on every other meme you see on the Internet. So I was going to say, yeah, if you, if you don't know that, then, then you've been under a rock. For a while. <laughs> yeah. I do live under a rock. It's pretty. <laughs> Fair enough. It's it's a it's one of those uh, suburban rocks. Nice. Yes. All the rocks look the same, but man, they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I am excited. <laughs> yeah, we actually just closed on a house last week and we're in the process of moving. I was telling Barker, it really depends what time y'all are doing it because, oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, we're pretty we're pretty lenient because it's one of those things that's easier to schedule than other things because the yes. later the better. Yes. Yeah, you know, because uh, Alex has uh, younglings same. that he Indeed. puts in their cryogenic freezing chambers. Uh, at, <laughs> you have those two, aren't they amazing? They, they, they are the best. They sleep like cold babies. Exactly like cold babies. Like literal. They sleep like frozen meat. Uh, <laughs> oh see for me though uh, uh, i for me this is a rush home eat dinner and then record the podcast type situation mm-hmm. because i am i'm all the way over on the west coast so okay. uh, it's a little bit different for me but it just it just kind of works it really does i've been actually doing something similar i about my little discussions things i just cannot do those online role-playing games i mean that's that's at least four hours yeah, it's a huge commitment. It is a huge commitment, especially if I'm dungeon mastering, because you know that's another that's another one on top. Yeah, exactly. And doing an hour, two hours, you know, once a week or once every other week, that's doable. That's great. And I all I can do is just barely, what I don't know if y'all noticed, but <laughs> I grab four people and let them talk. And if they stray a little further away from the conversation, I bring them back. I just totally dungeon master some discussion. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> they provide all the content and, you know, I'll add in something here or there just to make sure people know that I haven't fell asleep. You see, and you're you you were actually running a game of Dungeons and Dragons, and people aren't even aware of it. It's, Perfect. It's it works perfectly. Just being a mo- it's you know you're a dungeon master, you're a moderator. You make sure they're having fun, and they don't do something totally weird and bizarre. Or yeah. if they do, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, the people who play those online games so much are they're just crazies. Well, <laughs> I was I was I forget who it was. I was giving someone some advice about running a one shot, and I said, you know, especially if you have really good role players. Whatever you do, don't start them like in a, in a tavern or, you know, uh, you know, in a town or something like that because they will never make it out. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they'll, be, they'll be they'll be so you know into the role playing with each other and bantering and, and which is awesome. Yeah, but, but not for a one shot. Not for yeah. a one shot, exactly. <laughs> start them off, and the building <laughs> is exploding or collapsing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to start okay, a media you're, res. You're going down this 45 degree steep hill in a wagon. There are no horses, and there's a cliff at the end. Uh, what do you do? Uh, can I order yeah. an ale? Like, oh, uh, well, my character is about 5'9", and he uh, he has blonde hair, and uh, he's currently falling off a cliff. So He's chaotic neutral, so he's probably not too opposed. <laughs> he's probably not upset about this uh, this development. <laughs> What's there to eat in the wagon? <laughs> there, was a, there was a YouTube video a while back. That just reminded me. And I, I can't remember what it, what it was, so one of you guys has to link this to me because I lost it. Basically, it's he like... Lost it a long- Long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Insert shot here. 
anyway, uh, but he's, um, it's like a, a DM that's ultra realistic and the, the, the characters walk out of the tavern and there's this girl and apparently it's like the former girlfriend of one of the player's characters and she makes everything super awkward. Oh, <laughs> yes. I have seen that video. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny. And like a couple of the other party members like don't know who it is. And they're like, what? what's going on? It's like, oh, that's uh, yeah, that's his ex or something like that. She used to be in the party, but she's not anymore. And like the DM is like portraying this this NPC just so well, and it's the like, guy oh, ends yeah. up like walking away from the table. And... Yeah, everybody leaves. At the yeah, end. <laughs> all the all the players are like, "All right, guys, well, happy Sunday slash Monday, gamers. Welcome to uh, your uh, navally inclined and fairly definitive RPG podcast. My name is Barker. My name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice, and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnog. And we have another guest host. Uh, rocking and rolling up here on Roll Up and Die. We have uh, Justin Hamilton, a.k.a. Hamanope. Uh, how's it going, man? Arm, matey. I just got back in from the... Sh- oh, I, I, I lost it. <laughs> no, yeah, two and a half seconds is my limit, too, of Pirate. That's really all I can do. Yep. No longer in character. All oh, darn. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm... Wait, we're not... We're recording? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Did you oh, press okay. record? Let me get, let me get nervous. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're set. <laughs> How you doing today, Hamanope? I am doing spectacular, at least I think. Um, it's been uh, it's been crazy. I have have these three little things that just run and jump and hop all over me all day. Or whenever I'm not at work, they're called children. Oh, but God. I, finally I was going to say kobolds, but I know same a, thing. I, I know a really good extermination uh, company. I could oh. give you their phone number if you like. <laughs> kobolds challenge rating is a little bit lower than these. They're um, <laughs> they're basically they're a cakewalk compared to these things. They're like halfling, lawful evil paladin. Well, no, chaotic evil paladin barbarian fighters. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Cross classers. <laughs> yes. No. They, there, there are a whole bunch of little munchkins, both um, physically and metaphorically, and they're, you know, they're just wild and crazy. And uh, the, the little one, the little one, he can't talk yet. So how he communicates is throwing stuff at you. Oh yeah, uh, Hamanope is a YouTube personality, and he's got his own YouTube channel. Uh, tell us about what you do, RPG wise, man. You know, I'm not quite sure yet. And um, I do a lot of random videos, and apparently, I like to scream at my camera in my truck. Apparently it scares some people, but it's fine. Y'all like it, it's great. Because I'm nowhere near you. If it was real life, I could understand. But no, I, I just have a little bit of fun. I, I try to, I entertain myself and in, I try to entertain my kids. And then I turned the camera on and started entertaining myself while looking at myself on the camera. Oh, isn't that so weird? It was at the beginning. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's it's a little bit of a learning curve, but once you get used to it, you expect people to stick a camera at you when you talk now. In fact, I actually <laughs> want to turn it on mine so I can look at it so I'm more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. What yeah, were we talking about? Naval adventures. Fuzzy yeah. naval? Basically anything to do with belly buttons, really. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That wasn't me. That was Justin. No, that laugh. Oh, now that now that alex can do laugh tracks i mean hey man we'll put a standing fucking ovation right there man (laughs) but yeah that is our topic for the day basically uh adventures on on the high seas you know this was alex's idea so i'm gonna throw it to him but you know uh, you know i like the idea of uh, talking about ship adventures both fantasy or real world or honestly even outer space but uh, Alex, take it away. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that uh, ship adventures can be really exciting. They can have a lot of flavor to them. They can have a lot of uh, a lot of style. You can get into the, you know, the whole. Regardless of what sort of uh, genre you're you're playing, whether it's fantasy, modern, sci-fi, you can get that sort of. I guess you could call it like a pirate feel to it. Mm-hmm. You can have that sort of uh, that sort of adventuring mentality. But it has a. Uh, Seaborne adventures have a lot of challenges associated with them. Oh yeah, and the first one that comes to mind is just—it's kind of like in 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 any fantasy setting where you're traveling a lot. Yeah, you know, you, you either have to skip a lot of time between places, which makes your or, world feel tiny. 
Right. And or you, you or you fast. or you end up, you know, just going through endless repetitions of of campfire scenes. <laughs> you the, know, the random and, encounter table is awful. I yeah. Yeah, well yeah, I mean it, it's just having random encounters like that is is kind of can be kind of rough unless they're unless they're good ones, but yeah. on the ocean you don't even have that option a lot of times. Random mm-hmm. encounters are you know a lot fewer and, and far between. You know you're not you're just not going to see ships as much. Yeah. You know you're not just going to come across the random island. You're not going to you know <laughs> run into people you know on on the water. So you 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 sort of have to have either some sort of adventure or plot going on on the ship. Or you have to have set intervals where you know kind of something is happening on the way. Mm-hmm. So it, it it can it can it can be really difficult to not make it feel railroady. If that makes sense. For sure. Well, because it's I mean it's not on a railroad, but by definition that's a railroad because like unless your character gets out and swims and encounters the shark random encounter, then I mean there's they're really kind of stuck in this one place. Right, so it's it's yeah. it's on it's a, it's on DM to sort of have you know have the ship encounter things. Now, yeah, maybe 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 the if the if the 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 PCs have any sort of control over where the ship goes, you know whether they're captain of it or just you know people advising the captain, you know they they can kind of make stops and so forth. But when, once you're on the water, it's just really difficult to I don't know, to keep that sense of excitement and 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 fun going unless you're unless you're doing you know, some sort of, you know, naval exchange, you know, like uh, uh, naval battles, that sort of thing. For sure. And, and I'm, I'm big on the travel aspect of it, you know, like, uh, um, which, which I think we can get into a little bit because I can totally see this topic turning into a travel topic. You know what I mean? It could. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. um, Matt, have you ever used a, I don't know, a naval encounters or a naval uh, a vessel as a kind of a, a setting in your game? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that I've ever run a campaign that was that was solely sort of naval centered, but um, I've done things here and there. Like there were a few sessions in a one-on-one campaign that I was running with my fiance last year, where um, she was kind of journeying up and down the coast of uh, of the setting in this ship. And so she was she was on this same ship, and she got to know the different crew members and the captain and you know, there were encounters here and there. And um, but what it, I mean, really, what it ended up being was just kind of like Alex is saying, it's like it's like a vessel for fast travel. Like it just allows you to get places. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're if you're going to play up the sort of seafaring aspects of it, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for like um, like in the in fifth edition, the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's rules for like uh, uh, follower loyalty, like crew member loyalty. And if you are like if you own a ship or if you're the captain of the ship, like using those rules for crew loyalty and avoiding mutiny and making sure that your crew members are getting paid and and getting what they need, um, I think adds a really kind of fun and unique aspect to the campaign. Um, So I if if I was going to run something like an entire campaign based around the idea of, uh, you know, sailing around on a ship, I would definitely include something like that, I think. And you could do that by by making people real, you know. And yeah. uh, I was talking with you, Justin, earlier, and this is this got me so excited because I mentioned the idea of doing this topic uh, on a Facebook message, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I I sail like he's he's sailed before." And I'm that's my biggest thing that I suck at when it comes to naval encounters or adventures because I'm like. Hey guys, yeah, you're you're all the crews, all the crew members, all the uh, all the deckhands are doing uh, shippy stuff, you know. Just picture yes. them all doing shippy stuff. He's oh. tying the tie thing, and and this person's raising the the, the thing that raises up, <laughs> and and it's like, I mean, talk about kind of a killer of the immersion. So, okay, it can be, it can definitely be. Uh, and the thing is, when you when you're on a ship, when you're sailing on a ship, it's it's not fun. It is cool. But it's not fun. It's not. It it's not really cool to uh, describe in a story. You can probably see in a lot of movies. Not a lot of them focus on sailing. There's some, mm-hmm. but not a lot of the epic journeys main are um, are focused on the sail. Um, a lot of it is okay. You're getting water and you're scrubbing the deck so it doesn't dry out and warp. That's. <laughs> 
that could be fun role playing if you're into that. A lot of it is adjusting the rigging and the make, positioning make, of the cells. Make a swabbing roll. Yeah, that's <laughs> that yeah, that awful. Oh, I got a one. I'm pretty sure uh, that was a skill in third edition, actually. On their, um, Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Pathfinder has skull and shackles. I actually did run that, and um, I thought it would be amazing. It actually is. The group I was running it for was, I, they really weren't into it. A lot of them, one of them knew about ships. One, one of them was in a Navy albeit an aircraft carrier. So he <laughs> knew what rigging was and What's stuff. What's the CR but... in Pathfinder for, <laughs> for an the, aircraft carrier? The, yeah, the USS Ronald Reagan. What, what is that? <laughs> you know, they probably have a challenge rating for that. That thing has more numbers than the tax code. <laughs> My goodness. I love, you know, I love the game. I just can't make a character anymore. And it depends who I'm playing with, whether I love the game or not. I'll just be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, you touched on something that's, kind of critical to a role-playing game is that, you know, sailing's not fun, but the goal here is to, how do we make it fun? You know, uh, have it, getting in a, a fight with a bunch of basic, basically mercenaries or tribal leaders in an elevator that's just been disconnected and falling to its doom and you get knocked unconscious <laughs> in real life, that would kind of blow. But, you know, it's fun in a role-playing game. So it's like, okay, so what can we do to, to make it fun? And like, it, should we even consider having our players do those things or should we just use it as like dressing and description about what's happening on the ship? I, I, th I think the thing to look at is sci-fi because um, yeah. there's, there's a lot more ship travel in, in sci-fi than in almost any other genre. Mm -hmm. You know, for uh -huh. example, if you look at Star Trek, they don't, they don't show you the everyday sort of workings of the ship. You know, they don't, they don't show the, the maintenance crews replacing, you know, replacing power conduits when they start to wear out. They don't show them, you know, um, you know, clean, cleaning the toilets, you know, that sort of thing. And, no, you know, the, close, the kind of the closest you get to that is occasionally you'll see, you know, Captain Kirk, like, you know, signing a, a requisition form of some kind, you know, on the bridge. But, yeah, there's a lot of boring stuff, but they don't show that, you know. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to treat your adventures on the high seas in the same way. You know, you want to you want to bring that 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 camera in for, you know, when something exciting is going to happen. Now, it can be tough for, for players because, you know, the minute you start describing something, you know, the player knows something's going on. You know, <laughs> if they say, you know, how, how are you scrubbing the deck? It's like, uh oh. Oh, wait a minute. Crap. I don't want to <laughs> What happened? Perception check. <laughs> this is important now, you know, because now, now, now we're talking about it. So it, 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 there must be something important about it. Uh, and and you know Star Trek, I mean that's classified as space opera, right? Genre wise. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean the idea is that so much of what happens in Star Trek happens on the ship. I think the one of the best murder mystery games I played in took place on a ship. Um, and then you know that that kind of taught me that you know using the ship is kind of a microcosm of every other adventure that you do. Uh, just take any adventure. I don't care if it it could be Horde of the Dragon Queen. I don't care. And do mm -hmm. everything you can to just make it take place in this one area. And uh, it's like it, a bottle episode. What does that mean? Mm. In, a, in a sitcom, a bottle episode is where the characters are constrained into one location, uh, and they don't leave that location. So, uh, or or uh, the movie Twelve Angry Men, where they're in oh, one yeah, room yeah. the entire movie. So it's you're just yeah. having everything that would typically happen in a movie, where you have you know the rising action, the falling action, and you know, all of that stuff, but it's all taking place in one location and all of the, all of the dressing and, and, uh, and, and environment and, and stuff like that comes from the characters. Yeah. yeah I mean, some yeah. of it depends on the size of the ship and, and number of crew, that sort of thing. I mean, if you look at a show like Firefly, there was stuff that happened on the ship, but most of the, most of the, you know, a lot of the interesting stuff happened between the times they, you know, they would land and then take off. Right, you know, from someplace. I mean, Star Trek, or excuse me, Star Wars is all about the the Millennium Falcon breaking down and yeah. having to well, yeah. it. So. <laughs> Wait, it worked <laughs> <laughs> once, just once. It just may not look like much, but it'll. She's got to work out. counts. She's got to work counts. Going back really quick to the, you know, we were talking about like kind of the gritty details of of uh, of sea life, and you know, Justin, you were mentioning like, you know, you you know, swabbing the deck and stuff like that. And, you know, I think the same thing could be applied to pretty much anything. Like it's, you know, we don't really talk about the fact that 
your sword is going to get dull after a while and you're going to need to sharpen it. Yeah. You know, like you can use that kind of stuff for flavor. Like the player can say, you know, I get out a whetstone and I start, you know, uh, you know, kind of rubbing the nicks out of my blade, you know, you, but as a, as a dungeon master, I would never s tell a player that their sword was getting dull. I would let them use it as, as dressing. And yeah, I, I mean, think unless, unless I you're think playing GURPS. Yeah. Unless you're playing GURPS. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, think you beat me to my counterpoint. <laughs> he does that man. oh he headed you off at the pass no but my, my point is I just that, that cliche <laughs> my point is that, that that kind of stuff is it really is used to just enhance immersion and give a little bit of flavor to a situation and so you can you can describe the sort of maintenance that might happen on a ship but you don't need a in-depth knowledge of what happens and what is necessary aboard a ship in order to run a ship-based campaign. For sure. And it also really depends. Uh, above all else, depends on the group you're playing with. If, yeah. I mean, us four, I imagine we could probably live on a ship, and, you know, role-play living on a ship, and it would be interesting. We'd, we'd figure it, it out. There's some people that just aren't interested in doing that. Yeah. They want to be like, hey, I want to get to port so I can, you know, either drink some ale um, get with the winch or kill a dragon. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily in that order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, often all at the same time, really. I mean, depending on the heroes. Yeah. Just cross-classing paladins, man. You never know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I want, I want to have your knowledge, Justin. I want to have your sailing knowledge. I want to know what it's like to sail the, the different things you do on a boat. But, I don't Come ever want to roll for it. You know what I mean? Come to Houston. I'll show oh, you. Yeah. We'll, we'll go out. Also, Barker, I like. I was writing a book at one point that was kind of a... There was a lot of stuff that was happening aboard ships, and I knew nothing about ships. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I spent two, two and a half hours online looking up just the basics of sailing and kind of watched a couple videos about, here are the different parts of a, of a typical sailing ship. And when I was writing, just throwing in the occasional word for a specific thing on a ship or a specific maneuver on a ship or a process that is that is required to bring a ship, uh, you know, into dock or, or take a ship out to the sea, really, I felt like enhanced the, the writing. And I feel like yes. it's the same way with D&D. &D. Like if you just take just a little bit of time and Al Alex is a huge proponent, I know, of like books for kids yeah i guarantee oh, you there yeah. are resources about like ships for kids honestly dude pick up one of those, those books are and, and you will get just enough flavor for your campaign well that's how i make my homebrew worlds i take my kids to um to the library and they bring uh, me absolutely. books and that's that's what's going on next session and it's it's bloody amazing because i can abstract it out enough to where i can put it back in and then it it's it's the same, but it's in my words, and everybody's just like, "Oh, cool! Where'd you figure that out?" Just thought it up, top of my head. <laughs> no big deal. Just pulled it out of the ether. Yep. Another another cool thing is I actually pitch some of these sessions to my children, and my nine year old, and sometimes my four year old, and get their feedback, or give them like give them a question, and I'll go ahead and just roll with their answer. No matter how ludicrous it is, because if it's crazy, hey, um, we're playing in a magical world, even if it's sci-fi. Man, I need to have some kids so I can have some help with prep. Have Hey, don't have the kids. Um, babysit somebody else's kids. It's oh, that's a good trouble. idea. Okay, yeah. good call. <laughs> you Because those come with service agreements, so you can just send them back. You want to you you be careful how you how you word that request, though. Hey, can I borrow your kids for tonight? You know, just, well, I, need you know. So, I need some help with my D&D &D game. I need to borrow your kids. It's one of those first, things where it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission is wrong. Well, first you need a windowless fan. <laughs> yeah, and yellow blocker sunglasses. Uh, yellow that, lens. That will definitely help the public opinion of Dungeons and Dragons, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Sure, sure. Well, as long as we're not killing each other in a sewer or somewhere, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> Just wear a pirate suit when you ask. <laughs> it is naval. It makes everything and, better. And if you do it on October 31st, no one asks questions. That's right. <laughs> You can also Just say in a silly. You can candy. also say in a silly cartoon voice like, "Hey kids, let's go play D and D." I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs>
no, I, okay, so this can go to dark places. Yeah, <laughs> when it it usually does, Justin. Yeah, it's called roll up and die. It's not <laughs> roll up and you know welcome have, to have a pleasant evening with some cabernet and. Oh, we're not having Cabernet? <laughs> I'm having Pike Old Body Barley Wine Style Ale from Ooh, nice. uh, Seattle, Washington. I'm having Hanson's Root Beer. Oh, Hanson's. I've never had that. Hanson's is Love good. Love the band. Maker's Mark Whiskey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Alex is rolling with the Maker's Mark. Oh, my gosh. It's so weird because this this Pike Old Body um, comes with a wax top, even though it's Just like beer. Maker's Mark. Just like Maker's Mark. You know who loves Maker's Mark? Who? Tila, my fiance. Really? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Real men. <laughs> real men. <laughs> yeah. if, I had, if I had known ahead of time, I would have gotten rum. For the, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. R. 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 <laughs> and I'm, okay, so setting dressing is my favorite part of the game. And uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, I'm going to put in my two cents. And li- I mean, it's literally two cents. No, not literally. It is figuratively just two cents as opposed to an entire dollar. Like this is really take this with a grain of salt. But in my uh, in my in my role playing games, like I think contrast is where it's at. So in my in one of my most recent Sir Celine games, you know, you went from and Matt, you played in this game. You went from being in this treacherous jungle, basically, to being in a town. And they're two completely completely different places. And it would be one thing if I told you, hey, Matt, it's dangerous here. Uh, but instead, you know, using some help from the viewers' comments and stuff, I, like, showed you. Yeah. Hey, it's dangerous here. Same thing goes with being on a ship, okay? When you're on a ship, what I can, t- uh, what I can tell is this. You have less food. You have less resources. Uh, you have... Uh, Fewer chances for um, not throwing up, uh, <laughs> at least if you're me. Um, but I mean, so if you describe the weather, the way how how large the swells are, uh, seeing just a school of, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you call it a school of dolphins. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is it of, school or is it pod? Or no, that's whales. A pod of whales. Yeah. A pod of whales. Yeah. Well, hell, a, a pod of whales. See, see school a whale of dolphins reach. up by. Yeah, and 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 don't make it part of the adventure because you know players often are like, "Oh, there's a whale out there." All right, draw your swords, gentlemen. We're going. <laughs> Get no. the harpoons. Let's free whale today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our winter's coming. Let's get that blubber. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, in hindsight, it might be a good idea if you're starving. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like you know, that dressing is perfect, especially in short trips. You know, if your characters are doing a short trip. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't just say, okay, well, uh, you know, a week passes or, you know, a couple days pass and you arrive at your destination because your world will seem small. Um, uh, we talked about that in our world building panel in, uh, the, uh, brigade con 2014, um, the, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's not too wrong to write up a nice eloquent paragraph about all the things your characters see on the seas. Mm-hmm. Well, not only see, but you really have to. You really want to get all the senses involved: smells, tastes, uh, textures. Yes. I mean, the, the, there's really nothing like the, the 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 smell of the sea and and the the, the feel of the salt. You know that that you, that builds up on your skin and and yeah. you know the, your hands drying from the ropes. Um, yeah. And you know those sort of textures and 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 even the the food that you're eating. You're eating. You know, maybe you're eating smoked fish. Um, or you know some you know a lot of dried food, so there's there's a lot of uh, salt in that, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So just all these textures, scents, flavors can be worked into the the feel of a of a sea adventure. Good call. Another thing, another thing is imagery, and honestly, just going to Google and pulling up images of like of sailing where it's yeah. just you can see like the torrents are like sailing and bad weather and all this stuff and just have the picture and you have that and you just look at it when you're describing it and you could just glance at it, look away and talk to the people, engage them with your eyes and, you know, gesticulate that thumb and then keep on glancing back because if you have it written down, you're more likely just to <laughs> look at your monitor or wherever you have it written down and just read it out. 
But if you have that imagery, it's going to convey so much more message to you quicker for you to be more interactive sure. and you'll be able to tell when it's enough to stop talking about it yeah. Um, yeah, or sure. when you need to talk about more of it. If you're not gauging the audience, um, you know, they, it might went totally over their head and they may be silent about it and they might miss something completely yeah. important. But with the um, the communication, which I'm really big on, um, big like I preach it everywhere. It's like, hey, you need to talk to talk to your people out of character. Make sure everybody's up and up. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, gee, it's it's easy. It's a social game. Come on, guys. What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with the um, pictures, and I love doing. I have like files and files and files of just um, pictures of like jungle, like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, what are they called? Rainforest. And then I have like caves and oceans. And so when I am thinking, when I want to describe something, I can just, just um, scan, thumb through really quick, pull that up. And then I have that little resource there, which a picture is worth a thousand words. And you mm -hmm, for just sure. keep on looking at it at least a thousand words. And Absolutely. you got all that stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, another thing I do would like, would like to say it uh, ships, Typically, not until current time, they typically didn't just shoot off into the middle of the ocean. They yeah. usually kept close to land just in case <laughs> shit hit the fan or, you know, something happened. And also, it's easy to get lost when there's no landmarks at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, unless they, were, unless, yeah, unless they were explorers or, ha or following a, a kind of established trade route. Yes. Well, and that, that was pretty much the only, only ways they go is like, this is a trade route. We go yeah. this mm -hmm. way. And in a sci-fi setting, honestly, it makes it a little bit, I don't know, more difficult, I would say, in that, you know, take Star Wars or Star Trek. Basically, okay, we need to go to this system. You're there practically instantly. And if not instantly, you know, there's no, there's nothing happening outside the ship that you can really pay attention to. or And if, if you do too much uh, outside of the ship encounters, it gets a little tedious. So, I mean, that's where, you know, creating your encounters on the ship matters, you know, um, and Star Trek really does it best. I, I love, I mean, I just finished watching an episode the other day on BBC where Picard goes into the holodeck and lives out this like Sherlock Holmes work of fiction. Mm -hmm. Oh, those were fun. Dude. Oh yeah. man. It was such a good episode. And like the whole time, I mean, it's, it's stressful, it's strenuous, it's an adventure, it's, it's fun, it's exciting, it's, and then, you know, it, it concludes beautifully, honestly, like almost every single Next Generation episode I've ever seen, and, and nothing happened outside the ship. You know, the ship is yeah. a stage. Right. It's not, uh, mm -hmm. not necessarily something on a stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, that's that's where it goes back to the bottle is kind of bottled in, but it has all the luxuriousness of this very extravagant, exquisite bottle that's freaking beautiful. I mean, if I was a Ginny, I would live in that bottle. I mean, think about it. <laughs> we could go to the holodeck and, you know, larf some D&D &D and it'd be legit. Oh, man, I'm waiting for it. Every year, I hope we, we get closer and closer to D&D &D on the holodeck, man. Oh, man. The humankind should not have a holodeck. I mean, that that that, that would be like, that would be that would make crack cocaine look like cotton candy. People would be like locking themselves in the holodeck, living in there. I mean, it would, it would be, oh, yeah. it would not be pretty. Have you ever seen surrogates? Oh, it's You know what, Barker? I no. haven't. Oh, I no. have not. You know what? I, I'm going to jump out there and first ask all of you to chug your beers, and then I'm going to tell you you should really see that movie. I'm going to do a shot. I enjoy it. Yeah, he'll do a shot. Nice. <sighs> I, I, I enjoy that movie a lot. And it, it's got little to nothing to do with this topic. Actually, absolutely nothing. But uh, it has everything to do with what you just said about, you know, if, if, human, if, human, if, if humankind had a holodeck, it would not be used to, you know, relive Sherlock Holmes. No, 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 no. <laughs> the brothel industry would yeah. just just jack just like the roof. just like the internet, it would be all porn. Minority report. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's talk about some specific things that you can do to make the setting around your naval your your naval encounter or your adventure on the high seas to make it feel more realistic. One of one of the things that 
is uh, is important to me, and uh, it's even more so in sci-fi and space, mm-hmm. but it, but it works in, on the ocean as well. And that's to really, um, especially if they're if they're really traveling, to try and give them a sense of scale, you know, to to give them a sense of how far they really are from land or help or anything like that. I mean, if you're in space, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you get your warp drive, your hyperdrive or whatever you're using to get from one point, you know, point A to point B and it's working, you're fine. But if it breaks down, then you are literally, you know, perhaps thousands or millions of years <laughs> from any place. You, you better know, start breeding. Worth being. And <clears throat> on a ship, it's a smaller scale, but still, you know, uh, still fairly dramatic. I mean, you know, if, if you're uh, if you're shipwrecks and you're in a. A lifeboat or something like that. You're, you're weeks or months or or you know away from from any place where you can survive if you ever make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been cases where people have been at sea for, um, oh, what was it? It was like two hundred and seventy something days or something like that. I mean, yeah. almost a year at sea Jeez. in in a, yes. in a in a in a raft. And you know, fortunately, he had the ability to you know desalinate water and catch fish. But I mean, can you imagine just being on the ocean for a year almost. I mean, yeah. that's and that's still on Earth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Who, who was the Antarctic explorer? Was that him? He, he, uh, I think. Well, he took a ship down to Antarctica, and uh, he and his crew. The ship basically not only got trapped by the ice, but it got uh, crushed by the ice, and ooh. so they had to take uh, a raft or a lifeboat and basically head towards South America and. Oh my goodness! Uh, oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, especially you don't in that... want to mess with the currents down there. No, no. And that's how you get lost for 280. You just be spinning in a circle, and you don't even know you're going in different directions. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. If you get picked up by the currents, then you could you could miss an entire continent before you know it, yeah. and you never see it. That's right. I think the story was World War One had started when he left, and he uh, found South America, the tip of it, and. They all found this small village, and he looked just like garbage. I mean, I think it was he found a little, uh, a small boy that led him to the village where they could eat and you know get better and get healthy. And he just terrified this kid because he looked like so <laughs> so dirty and you know yeah. growth everywhere. And I think, I mean, the funny thing that he asked when he got back was. Uh, who won the war? And they're like, oh, it's not over. And that was the first time that it was like, what? Like a war lasted more than like. Three months or a year. (laughs) So what about weather? Yes, environment would be huge. (sighs) Oh, man. I that's that's another episode in itself. (laughs) How about about airships, man? How about wind? I know. I know. I'm sure that there's a ton of anti airship fanatics out there, but, you know, I'm kind of a fan. (laughs) In the Cerceline game, it's basically just like uh, 18th, 17th century ships but they use uh uh ventigators uh, that's what i call them to kind of like uh sorcerers or elementalists wind elementalists that keep a current behind them and below them so they don't fall to the ground and they keep moving forward beautiful yeah, yeah. it's the reason that real life sailing is so difficult is because you have so little control over it mm. and and that and that's why it can make you know uh, especially you know players feel like they have so little um agency in what happens but that that's the way the ocean is you have very little agency you know especially in in the days of sailing you know you can you know if the wind is not there it's simply not there you can't make you know well i suppose in D &D you might be able to make wind but in most cases you can't in most cases you can't make wind i made wind like two minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) i know i heard it did you break it Um, well, the thing is, it really depends how you have your um, ships at, too. Um, if you have, um, like, something Arcana or advanced uh, vessels that would use, like, Bahama sails, there's only 30 degrees that you can't really sail into. Then, of course, if there's no wind, you just chill out for a while. Yeah. Uh, you just you just fish that day, and um, a, wind, <laughs> a, wind will, a wind will come up. I mean, and... That's the beauty of it. It really doesn't matter which way the wind is blowing. It's if you work the sails right, you can pretty much almost go upwind. Yeah, with of course a fifteen degree turn. But then you just tack. You go. Um, yeah. Uh, how do I say this in a more common terms? You like go to the left and then you turn to zigzag. the right. Yeah, you're <laughs> zigzagging 
upwind. Yeah, you basically, yeah, you basically have to zigzag into the wind. It's called tacking. Yes. What is that? For our well, viewers, not for me. I mean, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Well, the, the, this, this, if you think of the sail more, not not so much as catching the wind, but more like the wing of an airplane. Um, yeah, you, you know, you you have to you have to approach the wind at an angle to move into the wind. You know, in the you know, say the wind is blowing towards your face, and that but that's the direction you want to go. You have to you have to approach it at a slight angle, and once you reach a certain point, if you want to keep you know to so that you keep going more or less in the same direction, then you have to kind of zigzag the other direction. And so you're kind of zigzagging into the wind to oh, get cool. to where you want to go. Ah, very yes, cool. and there's there's actually another very important mechanical um, thing that nobody really sees. It's called the kill. It's a mm. big, big, huge fin underneath it that stabilizes it from the wind just yeah. pushing you wherever you want it to go. So with that, that combination, important. with the combination of that huge kill applying that water resistance in the um in the winds taking the wind or uh what is it manipulating the wind to the direction you want to go you can you can almost go upstream yeah i'm not upstream i'm upwind upwind yeah. almost but you can it just takes a lot longer it does it does but you can do it yeah <laughs> yeah um if you only uh i'm not so sure about the the old old ships uh because i because they um i know like the chinese ships they have the they have the what the is triangle, it the, triangular the front, sail? yeah the front facing yeah. sails yeah yeah uh, but the uh the ships that i conjure out of memory thinking about like the old world it has all those billing the galleons and the frigates um have all those like huge amount of sails but they're all pointing <laughs> the same direction so I don't know how to do those. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so I think that if you want to run a game kind of like Star Wars where, you know, encounters on the ship uh, or Firefly where encounters on the ship like engineering issues, you know, fixing the engines, fixing, you know, fix, getting the light speed back up and running. If you want to do something like that, like ship-based encounters, not uh, take this murder mystery and have it on your ship or uh, take this... Um, uh, I can't think, uh, insert other adventure hook here and put it on a ship, then I think, I, honestly, I would say, and I know we keep saying this a lot, watch Battlestar Galactica, man. <laughs> yeah. Like everything, you know, and even the soap opera type stuff, that plus the engineering stuff, it, watch, it, it's on the fracking ship. Watch fracking <laughs> Battlestar. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> Do it. Do it now. Uh, also, really quick, well, the other now. day, I, I watched Pirates of the Caribbean by the other day. That's, like a year that's and a half another ago. good one. Yeah. But I I put a movie in and I have my journal and I start taking notes. And I think <laughs> about, okay, what can I get from this movie uh, that I can use in a D&D game? And if I'm doing like a spy game, I'll watch Mission Impossible. If I yes. if I'm doing a game on the high seas, I'll put on Master and Commander or Pirates of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. something yeah. where naval adventures are <clears throat> the centerpiece of the movie. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, just look at what these people do on the ship. Look at the the superstitions they have when they're getting on the ship. Mm -hmm. When they're, uh, you know, I think in there Master and Commander, what's that? There are a lot. Oh, like, yeah. is, what There's do you know? Any of them? Huge amount of superstitions. It depends what era, and uh, there there's so many. Yeah, and I mean, I think in Master and Commander, they did some crazy thing and then span, uh, spun around in circles uh, just, you know, to – I don't even know why. But Don't they still do the one where uh, I think even the modern Navy does like a kind of a hazing when you cross the equator for the first time? Oh, but hazing isn't allowed anymore in the military. It's, uh, yeah. it's bad. Yeah, yeah, of course it's if not. You, um, if you... But if it were – <laughs> if only there were some sort of device. For a moment. If only there was some sort of device let's, I could use right now in order to, to look it up instantaneously. Yeah, That's impossible. Oh, the line crossing done. ceremony Ooh, is an initiation right in the British Merchant Navy, Dutch Merchant Navy, Royal Navy, U.S. Navy, Coast Guard, Marine Corps, Russian Navy, and other navies <laughs> that commemorates the sailor's first crossing of the equator. I'm looking at a picture, and it looks like they're. Uh, like dumping some sort of, oh, it looks like a green liquid. Uranium? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> it looks like they're all having fun, so I wouldn't call it a hazing. <laughs> they, they, they only do it once. <laughs> There's some, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I believe it's that uh, time again where we take a question from one of our audience members. What do you guys think? Sounds yeah. good. I all like right. it. And uh, get ready, Hamanope, because you're going to be the first one to try to answer it. Oh, Wait, I get an answer a question? Yeah. Yeah. So exciting. And we'll see what that question is right after this message. Hey, man, you should come on down to Elon's Apothecary in Talonsoo. We have the widest variety of herbs, <laughs> teachers, and potions anyway. We're uh, in the alley behind the Central Market. <laughs> And uh, you can just ask any of the dudes back there for Elon, and they like know where to find me. <laughs> so uh, uh, I can get you what you need. <laughs> um. So let's uh, let's take that's a, that's pretty broad. Let's you know what? No, let's do it. Let's take. Is it the one that I post? <laughs> that's cheating Thomas how did you get to be so awesome that's such a difficult answer let me think about it I have never thought about this before I don't have a speech right here <laughs> <laughs> you hear the tearing of an envelope he just pulls it out <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, no you know Thomas C. Jr. asks is there any way to, to make it not cliche uh, yes. He says, all right, that's your answer. Okay, thank you for <laughs> Well done. He says, I feel like the random giant sea monster or the pirates are seriously played out, and I can't help but agree. You know, it really depends on, on your group. Uh, it really depends what they like. Um, some groups will like that. Um, and, I mean, it also depends what genre, I guess, you're doing. I, you know, it's... I guess space pirates, you know, you can have space pirates or Somali pirates or, you know, um, pirates that are from the Western, um, the Western part of England that go R and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so can you make it not cliche? Um, depends on how, what you mean, because I mean, like Firefly is different. Um, Star Wars is different. Star Trek is different. Battlestar Galactica is different. So you could take bits and pieces from each one and you just have a teaser that goes one way teaser on the other and there's so many ways you can spin it and, and i think I, could, yeah. I think you're right it depends on the pirates too because i think what he's saying i mean if i were asking the question i'd be like are pirates that's yes that's yeah, parrot yeah. on the shoulder peg leg <laughs> pirates with a hook as a hand somali pirates you know uh, modern day pirates if you think about it, uh, you know the Serenity is a ship filled with pirates sometimes, yes. and but sure. you don't you don't see that. So yeah, I mean, well, use they're the cliche, those, just twist. Those it. guys are freedom fighters. Yeah, I mean, hey, exactly. You know, they're, they're like a leaf in the wind. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you won't take the sky from me. Uh, no, but it's that's that's the thing. It depends on what your definition of cliche is. First off, and um. And it depends on what your group likes. I mean, if your group, um, obviously, he's trying to deviate from cliche. How do you do it without uh, um, random encounter? 1D12 harp on tuna. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you can, ooh, I got it. I got it. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Mm -hmm. Play the game and steal the ideas right nice. there. <laughs> you, go, go well hunting right there. Go try to take on a fortress that's shooting cannonballs at you. That's freaking amazing. You just you know, do a reflex save. And, and I think the biggest thing is, is if you don't want it cliche, don't make it campy, make it descriptive, make it dark, make it weird, have scurvy, have people's teeth fall out and, you know, and their skin turn yellow and people have to amputate legs and, you know, attach like wooden legs. Um, and whatnot um make it make not the funny make it dark make it angry and make it make it really a bad place to live because back then it wasn't fun <laughs> yeah exactly that, that's that's kind of the rpg like we talked about earlier that's the rpg challenge man taking something that really blows and making it exciting and fun description <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah what do you think matt how do you how do you uh, put a twist on the old cliche or not use the cliche at all? 
Well, I think you you do what you do with with anything. I mean, we've had an episode on taverns. We'd have we've had an episode on thieves guild, which are both these kind of tried and true tropes that are somewhat overdone and can be super cliche. But you can take something like like pirates or a giant sea monster and and just kind of twist it a little bit so that it is new enough to your players where it's exciting, but also familiar enough where they are gonna they're gonna um, be a little bit more connected to it. So like for the pirate thing, um, why not have them be some goblin pirates who have cobbled together kind of uh, half-assed submarines? And you could use inspiration from like ah, the nice. the you know when when submarines were first developed, they were basically just uh, you know metal cans that people would get into and float up to ships and put explosives on the ships and then float away and you know blow up the bottom of the ship. So you could have goblin pirates who do this sort of thing with these little with these little submarines. Again, it's something familiar. It's pirates. You know, players understand what pirates are trying to do, but you're kind of twisting it a little bit and uh, putting a fantastic element to it, which you can do with, a, you know, with sci-fi and fantasy. Um, so it, it again, it's just taking that trope and just turning it on its head a little bit and uh, presenting it in a new way, I think. I, I think it's it's easier than people think. You just got to think of something cool and make it happen. Yeah. If you think about it, pirates aren't cliche. Uh, black flags are cliche. Uh, wooden ships with uh, with cannons on, on the on both sides are cliche. You know, again, the peg legs, the parrots, that's cliche. Pirates, man, you, you can you can paint that however you want. Yeah, to like take the take the concept and put some new dressings on it, and that's that's the way you do it. Ooh, I'm going to steal one more. I I got inspired by you, Matt. I got inspired by you. Aerocokra <laughs> pirates, Aerocokra pirates. Oh yes. Nice. Very so, nice. I like it. Cobra Pirates. Dude, what Dude, would you do? You I could mean, only turn flying. to page one of the monster manual. You couldn't go any further than that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if, uh, pirates descending from the sky. What do you? Yeah. There's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> That's true. That is actually excellent You shoot idea. a cannon up and miss. It's going to hit you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, sh- beep. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Uh, I guess what I would do to try to break... Uh, the tropes is to first start not with you know what can happen on a ship but think of an adventure first and then you know figure out how that can work on a ship okay so yeah come up with any adventure idea pretend you're doing it for someone you know meeting in a tavern you know on land and then say okay how do we adapt this right right and uh and then take that you know whatever that adventure is and just put it on the ocean and whether it's going to an island or going to a series of islands or you know transporting something on a ship your your caravan guard maybe you're hired to be a, an extra crew member on the ship because they, they they think that there's a high risk that the ship is going to try to you know is going to be taken by pirates perhaps you're if you're going to a a particular location to search for a tomb for example it, it maybe it's on an island maybe it's underwater you know, and and you have to take a ship to get there. So the ship becomes a very important aspect to that. So, you know, the ship either gets you to the island or gets you to the point in the ocean where now you have to figure out, you know, maybe there's a plan on how you get to the bottom of the ocean. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so start with start with the adventure first, what you want to do, and then adapt it to the adapt it to the ocean. Awesome. Okay, so I do believe it is time for an idea that our listeners can steal. What do you guys think? Yes, I got an idea. (laughs) Nice, nice. What do you guys think about making – what's your idea, Hamanopi? Okay, I have this crazy idea. Well, it might not be crazy, Um, but it's it's a one-shot idea, and anybody can use it. That's fine. I I don't want to lay claim to this, but you are a group of moonshining hillbilly dwarves on a river barge so let's let's get out the cliche you're on I a love this river barge in the bios trying to trying to basically run moonshine to point b without you know and having to encounter like sturges which are actually mosquitoes from louisiana um <laughs> very similar yeah are or gators in which you know in the bio they're all dire are you um, are you yeah. like is this a an autobiography uh, I I live um I live clo- I live pretty close to um, Louisiana and I'm on the Gulf Coast so we get them too. 
Nice. Um, we can get like, you know, there could be like wood elf marshals that, uh, you know, that run across trees <laughs> and like, you know, jump and shoot arrows at you and you have to figure out how to get through that. You know, it's all, you know, just whatever you want, but just hillbilly dwarves. Uh, because I mean, come on, they love to drink. They're, they love to drink. They're hairy. Okay, they look like um, Duck Commander people. <laughs> Honestly, if they're a couple feet shorter, they would be literally <laughs> nice. the indie dwarves. Nice, awesome. Well, let's create an adventure. I, this is kind of a I just did. I know. I, <laughs> I know. Ham and Opie did it for oh, us, Barker. Well, We're right. done. All right. Well, you know what? <laughs> I quit. We're all done. Ham and Opie. Well, you're you're the sole host of Roll, Roll Up, up and, and Die. Die is now Roll Up and Ham and Opie. Roll Up and Ham. Whoa, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I I just think that you know we usually we you know we'll make a little a bit of a setting or you know something that you can add to your game i just god it'd be just really cool to to, to go around in kind of our perverted yeah, yeah, let, yeah let's circles. do let's do some more we, we have some time yeah so. for sure yeah. let's uh so we're gonna ma- let's make an adventure some sort of thing All on right. the water and i'm gonna roll this d12 uh one through three is you matt uh four five and six is you alex <laughs> seven eight nine is me and 10 11 12 is ham and opie i hope you guys remember that because i didn't and the number <laughs> is nine who's that that's me uh, not yeah. me Okay, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to I am going to steal Okay, so this is going to I don't know what kind of ship this is going to be, you know, what kind of ship the, your players are going to be on, but I like the idea of the ship staying close to the coastline so where you can always see the land, but you can never uh dock or, you know, otherwise disembark onto the land because it's a, an extremely dangerous war zone. Mm. And uh, next up, we'll go with Matt. Cool. And yeah, I mean, uh, coastal vessels were fairly common. uh, You know, not many boats were outfitted for going out into the deep seas. So a lot of the time you would have, you know, uh, carracks and stuff that were just designed to sort of go up and down the coast. But I I like the idea that you can't you can't really reliably basically get on the land. So um, I would say an element of the adventure or the campaign would be um, almost stealth missions where you would get in a longboat and uh, try to get to the mainland to uh, do reconnaissance and uh, restock on supplies and armaments and things. And, uh, you know, maybe your ship has a part to play in the conflict or maybe uh, you're some sort of uh, freelancer. Uh, your your vessel is sort of um, up for bid uh, to the highest to the highest bidder, and uh, maybe you're doing different missions for either side of uh, of this conflict. Cool. So you're kind of on the ship until it's time to get on land and and do this little mission. So kind of the yeah. Uh... And I would I would say like like the the act of getting to the mainland would be dangerous. Like, you, you, you know, wait for cover of darkness, be stealthy about it, or wait for the right opportunity to do so. It would be, it would be an adventure getting to the coast, getting awesome. to the land. Yeah. All right, Alex. Okay. Wait, uh, so rolling again. Okay, hold on one second. Alex. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Actually, so, it landed on yeah. Matt again. I, no, we'll go to Alex because... Uh, uh, yeah, because I don't know. I That's fine. The uh, the ship, but the ship is being pursued by uh, several of the enemy ships, and they've been searching for it for some time. So they're 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 always kind of going up and down the coast searching for them. So there's kind of a cat and mouse game where the, where your ship has to you know take cover in coves and occasionally head further out to sea to avoid being spotted by these uh, by these enemy ships that are uh, that are searching for you, and they are. Um, well, let's see. What kind of enemy are we fighting here? Aarakocra. Oh, okay. I just opened up my monster manual to page one, so. That's <laughs> great. It fits, it fits right into what I have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, they, yeah. So they're, uh, that's your crew. And uh, they're in the process of pursuing your, uh, your ship. Awesome. All right. Beautiful. And uh, <clears throat> Aminopi. All right. Check, check. Okay. Um, y'all are on the planet Uranus, and it's entirely made out of gas. And all these islands are actually floating. In the sea is a very dense fog that's below. And all these 
these uh, these islands are what's uh, actually move and migrate um, with the weather changes. And that's great because the Aarakocra are obviously from Uranus, so it makes sense. And you're, yeah, you're in these wonderful little airships, these dirigibles or zeppelins. Um, and that's why it's so hard to get on the coast because first off, those the land's floating, you're floating, and if you hit too hard, you're just going to bounce off of it or, you know, knock off some of the earth and whatnot in the process. I, I like the idea, actually, of like a mystical geography, you know? Mm. Like everything is uh, is moving around, kind of like the the Hogwarts staircase of archipelagos. Yeah, yeah. that's actually <laughs> a really cool idea. Yeah, the great thing is uh, you don't really have to remember where everything was at because it always changes. So it's less work <laughs> I for like it. And what no Matt ma- said, no, no mapping for the GM. Exactly. Yeah, what Matt said is, uh, you know, every just getting to the land is an adventure, and I think that'll knock it out of the park. Um, and just to kind of close it off with just a small bit of advice. Um, if you feel that your game is dull, move it forward. You have that power to do yes. that. And same goes with, you know, a ship encounter or an adventure on the high seas. So I would say if you feel like your game is starting to slow down, your players are slumped over, they're checking their phones, they might not be interested. Don't be afraid to go with the paragraph long montage of what happens uh, for the rest of the journey, because that is better yeah. than forcing a game where a game doesn't belong. Yeah. Yep. Um, so before we jettison, I just want to let every single listener know youtube.com slash user slash Hamanopi. That's H A M E N O P I for your role playing games and more material. Uh, dude's got some great stuff. Um, so definitely check him out. Uh, thank you so much, Justin, for being on the show with us today. Thank you all. I was I was quite excited, and uh, I think the first question I had is, why do they want to scrub like me? Dude. <laughs> no, man, no, man. No. I, we're all just a bunch of scrubs on here anyway, Justin. No, so don't but it's okay. I'm the Mr. Cleaner scrub. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker. My name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And uh, can you do me a favor, Hamanopi? Hello. Can you yeah. say, Godspeed, blah. Oh, do you want me to do it like in a British, Indian, and Jamaican? You know what? I, I want you, to, I want you to, to have some creative freedom. Have fun with J.J. Abrams it. Oh, Godspeed. Oh. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to... <laughs> Fracking Hamanope. <laughs> Did Justin just die? <laughs> I know. We're all laughing here. It's like, like uh, we'll hear his wife in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Hello, oh, guys, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's going on? Justin's last act on this Justin. world was, was finishing Roll Up and Die. <laughs> Someone actually did Roll Up and Die. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.